Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, good gardening. We are live and lively from St. Louis Composting, the headquarters down here in Old Elam Avenue in Valley Park, 636-861-3344, website stlcompost.com. And today, the tip of the trial, well, it goes out to everyone throughout this entire region that was able to enjoy. This has been the best spring that I can remember as far as all the flowering tulips, the daffodils, the spring flowering bulbs, the azaleas are spectacular, the dogwoods are spectacular. So every we can't all have everything in our yard unless you're at the botanical garden and uh, probably not too many of us live on a botanical garden. But it has just been such a nice joy. Every street you go down, there's even the creeping flocks. I've never seen it you know, bloom for such an extended period of time. So everybody that took the effort to plant things correctly so the plants would survive and do well, the tip of the trial goes out to you. Today, this Live and Lively broadcast, Ben is here. He's doing the engineering. Greg's back in studio producing. And the second hour, well, you know, thanks for having me on your show. If you were not there, I would not be here. So if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. How are your annuals doing? The pansies are starting because we did have those warm days. They're elongating and the size of the flowers are getting smaller. Your spring flowering bulbs. Well, those warmer days. That's the unfortunate thing. We did have the warm days and pretty much they're about finished now. So the tulips and daffodils and things like grape hyacinths. But that's okay. Just cut the you know cut the flower stalks off if you want. You don't have have to, but leave the foliage as long as you possibly can, at least until it's halfway brown. How about your edibles, your ground covers, your house plants, your tropicals? Got my house plants or my tropicals out, and uh, I stupidly put them in a location where I thought they, were, they weren't going to get direct sun, but for some reason the sun, uh, and I did some, you know, got a couple of the leaves sunburned, so that was dumb on my part, that's all I can say. Your perennials, your roses, roses, wow, I got some rose food, my knockout roses are really well budded and look very strong and healthy, the four that I have in pots. And your shrubs, trees, vines, or water gardens, please remember my answers, comments, and opinions are strictly off to, op- to give you an option to achieve your goal, and certainly by no means are the only way to go. And considering changes in your yard or your landscape or whatever, aesthetic or problem solving, if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. On the homepage, there's an email address and a phone number, and we can set up a time where I'll come to your home. And today's tip of the trial, and it's just like, as I said before, all the people that have done such a great job making the metropolitan area looks so great. And the people here at St. Louis Composting, whose products go into the ground, which helped all that plant material as well. So that's what it's all about. Uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We 
We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, live and lively from the from the headquarters of St. Louis Composting, 39 Old Elam Avenue, Valley Park, and 636-861-3344, stlcompost.com. It's echoing. And so let's go to the phones now. Let's go to Bill in Belleville. Hi, Mike. We've got uh, Hi. Se- several holly bushes in our landscaping plan, and beneath mm-hmm. them we've got light-colored landscaping rock. And this spring we noticed, uh, they, they've been in there about eight years, uh, we noticed for the first time ever kind of a dark stain on the rock beneath the holly bushes at the periphery of the drip line uh, and, and underneath. And it, uh, it appears it's unusual. And wonder if you could give us some insight into what that is and how to get rid of it. Gee whiz, I, you know, to be honest, with, I don't really know what it could be. If it's on the drip line, it has to be something that's running off the foliage. So it just may be, you know, just dust that's blowing through the air that lands on the holly leaves. And then when it rains, it just drips off. Well, it's dark. It looks like a mold or it's, it's black. Yeah, I mean, it certainly could be a mold. Go out there and just kind of rake the rock up a little bit and see if you can get, you know, the rock that's the darkest color. Um taken care of but that's about all you can probably do you can spray a fungicide on it to see if it is a fungus but uh beyond that there's not too much else a fungicide yeah fungicide do you you have a recommendation i you know you could even just get something like a horticultural vinegar and try that if you want something very organic okay well i'm not real hung up on the organic part of it i'm more hung up on getting rid of it so it doesn't damage the holly bushes (laughs) well if the rock is stained and it's a very light colored rock it may never come back to the original color well i'm not so worried again i'm not so worried about the rock as i am about uh, doing permanent damage to the holly bushes uh the hollies are probably fine as long as you know the leaves are full size if they're the right color they should be and they should have already flowered and then you're going to have some fruit set but they you know if the hollies look good then you're okay okie doke great thanks very much yep and now let's go to bud and bud is in o'fallon missouri hi bud good morning mike how are you couple very good um last year in the fall, I called you regarding I wanted to try to overwinter a jasmine. You told me what to do, and I said if it mm-hmm. made it, I was going to name it a Mike Miller for you. I now have a Mike Miller jasmine, <laughs> and thank you very much. The other thing, the well, man that uh, wanted the uh, called in about the smell goody tree, he might be thinking of a short leaf linden. When mine blew. That's true. The uh, the bees and everybody in the neighborhood flocked to my front yard, uh, and maybe that's the one that he's got. That very I didn't even think of the linden tree, but yeah, the small leaf linden. When they are in flower, there's several of them that are street trees in my neighborhood. You can smell them from quite a distance away, and they smell very good. Wish I smelled that good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your show, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on your show. Show. Let's go to Crestwood now and talk with Mary. Mary, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, I didn't get the name of that fragrant tree that you liked. I think it started with an F, 
but we're looking for some. There's a princess tree that has a fragrance that I happen to like. It's okay. kind of a, if, it, I would not have one in my own landscape, but there's a, there's a couple that, you know, are in parks, in the botanical garden, and there's one in a, as a street tree down the street from me. But it has a big leaf. It's in the same family as a catalpa tree. So it's in the pea family. It has kind of a biggish pod. But I just, it's you a, know, kind of a, a subtle fragrance, but it's not bad. How about uh, Sweet Bay Magnolia? Do you like those? or? Yeah, they have a good fragrance, too, and they flower in the summertime. I don't know if they need, we have enough sun for that. Is there any other fragrant trees that you could recommend? Uh, as far as fragrance we, goes? Yeah, yeah. I would look at the tree lilac, too. The tree lilac, okay. And then right. do you like that coos of dogwood? Personally, I like it because it blooms a little bit later than the normal dogwood, so its tendency is to give you the full length of flowering period, flowering time, as opposed to the regular or the native dogwood. The Cornus Kusa is the one you're talking about, the Japanese one. Cornus Florida is the native, even if it's a hybrid. Many times, you know, the heat kind of knocks him out. Okay. Thank you so much. Great. Well, thanks, Mary. If anybody else has any questions, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Mike lives in Richwood. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, um, about three years ago, I cut down our Bradford pears. Well, I didn't cut them down. I cut them off about five feet up because the MDC declared that they were invasive species. Well, it didn't kill them. I mean, the, the things are like <laughs> they're like growing rampant. So. Um, since that, since I cut the tops off of them, I bought a backhoe and I use it around our place. I'm going to dig those up, and in those same spots, um, I was reading the NBC uh, website this week, and and they suggest uh, like a you know to grow native like a service berry, or um, or dogwood or redbud. Is it is it feasible to to plant? A new tree right in that same spot where those where I dig those Bradford pears up. You know, if you can pull them up and get the majority of the root system out, and there's no wood, you know, in close proximity where you're putting it, you can uh-huh. do that. I don't recommend planting right on top of where another tree was, just because okay. there could be potential problems you know, with the existing root system. Even though you've yanked the thing up, you've dug it up and everything else, there may be other problems involved with that. If you could put it a couple feet away, out of those three trees you mentioned, my, you know, my personal favorite happens to be the service berry. It flowers before the, you know, the dogwood does, has great fall color. It's a little bit more reliable than the dogwood. The flowers are, you know, not as big and not as spectacular, but it does, you know, service berries because it does produce a reddish fruit. So that's part of the, you know, the, the highlight of that. The red bud's fine, and the red bud does produce pods because it's in the pea family, and then everybody knows the dogwood. If you're going to get a dogwood, you get the Cornus Florida, but get another name after Florida. Cornus Florida just means the regular, let's say, native dogwood, but get a hybrid because you're going to get, you know, like a variety Milky Way. You're going to get better flowers a lot more flowers on it okay do do most nurseries um do they i mean i usually dig things out of the woods and plant them and i'm not gonna i really don't feel like doing that where i live it's so rocky that um man i'd be working i mean it'd be a lot of work to do that so do most nurseries carry those three varieties 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And also, if it's really rocky soil, you may consider the redbud because redbud's probably the one that can handle a real rocky soil better than the other two. Okay. Perfect. You're awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks. Well, great. Well, thanks a lot. And let's go to Mary in St. Louis. Hi, Mary. Hi. I'm having trouble with chipmunks. Uh, They're digging my flower bed all up against the foundation. What do I do? Uh, I would just get a repellent. Like what? And let me see here. Bonai has a good repellent. And let me, let's see, one second here. I put some rat poison down but in the hole, but it doesn't seem to have. I saw one again this morning. Yeah, the chipmunks are a little bit gruesome as far as, but the, the product is called Mole Max, but it just doesn't work against moles. It works against any kind of, let's say, small rodent. So you, Molmax is available at all kinds of different garden centers. You can check it out online, bonide, B-O-N-I-D-E dot com for a retailer near you. And, again, the product is Molmax, M-O-L-E-M-A-X. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. And it's a natural product, and it comes in all kinds of different uh, you know, size containers as well. Mike Miller, KMYX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we are live and lively for another uh, 27 minutes or so from St. Louis Composting, the Valley Park location. And joining, joining me right now is Sarah Ryan. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Happy it's Earth Day. Yes, but it's every day is Earth Day here. True. I mean, there's, as I look out the windows here, I see the big piles are steaming, they're cooking and everything, and getting blended in, so it makes a great product. It does. And how long you've been here? Over four years. Wow. So it hasn't, you've really enjoyed it, obviously. It's a great place to work, and I love my job. And, you know, somebody emailed me this past week, and I just sent the email to you because I thought it would be better for you to handle it because it was related to specific things here at St. Louis Composting. And you answered so quickly, so you're very, very efficient. And at I appreciate doing... you sending it my way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what's going on? What does St. Louis Composting get involved in other than there's six locations and everything else? Earth Day and, all, you know, whatever else. Right now we're crazy busy doing Earth Days. We're going to schools. We're going to universities. We're going to organizations. We're going to businesses, um, teaching their employees about composting and other um, earth-related products or things during their lunches to educate their employees. Yeah, and you guys, I mean, you sell mulch, you sell compost, you sell all kinds of things. But like in this, uh, this booklet that you give out, you mm-hmm. actually teach people how to, make, how to do compost themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. So that shows your dedication and commitment to, let's say, Earth Day every day of the year. Yeah, I, I'm constantly talking to homeowners about how to compost in their backyard and if they have an issue, what the issue is and how to fix it. Right. And, you know, even the blend, you've got to have different things in there because if it's just a bunch of grass clippings, it's not going to yeah, work. Yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> no. So, I mean, uh, wh- where are you going after the show today? I'm actually going to go down to Forest Park um, on the Muni grounds to be part of St. Louis Earth Day's Earth Day Festival. And thank goodness it looks like it's not going to rain anymore. Fingers crossed. <laughs> So, I mean, it was great to see you again, and it was always fun to talk to you. Thanks, Mike, and yep. happy Earth Day. Same to you. Now, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Mike and Florson. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. 
Uh, I've been here about 25 years, and during that time, I removed the sod between the sidewalk and the street, that swale, and I filled it up with St. Louis composting. And then mm-hmm. I put flowers in, and it is a full thing. And so I, I'm always asking, wondering about transplanting. I've got a lot of these uh, naked ladies or surprise lilies that are right. large foliage this time, you know. When's the best time to transplant those? Uh, after the they shoot up that bloom in August or what? Yeah, they're basically you know a type of bulb that if you went to a garden center, you're going to be buying it in the fall, so as opposed to a summertime thing. So after they finish flowering, you'll see the flower stalk will hang there, and you know how they work. They just go straight down from where the flower stalk was to the bulb and just dig them up. Very easy to do. In the fall? Yes. Or- in late summer, as soon as they finish flowering. So, I mean, they flower, you know, in late summer, you know, early right. fall, whatever you want to call it, August, September. The, the second thing, Mike, tell me this. I've got uh, hundreds of uh, four-foot-high about the open peonies here. And every year uh, after they're done, the foliage turns brown and gets nasty looking. Can I cut that down to the ground at some point, and when do I transplant those? Uh, you, again, fall is probably the best time to transplant those. It sounds like you got a fungus problems on your foliage. So what you can do is as soon as the, that sort of that red hand comes up out of the ground, which is going to work into actually the foliage, ultimately the bud on the foliage, or, I mean, they're not connected directly. But uh, that's when, you know, you should start spraying the fungicide and spray it, uh, you know, for two more applications after that. But uh, as far as, you know, as I said before, any time after they, I mean, they're going to be finished flowering sometime early June, you know, maybe mid-June at the latest, leave the foliage because you don't want to cut the foliage off because the foliage actually helps the root system build up the plants for the health for the next year. So you're better off to go after it with a fungicide as opposed to trying to just cut the foliage off so you don't have to see it. Okay, but I can transplant it then. But yeah, the 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 darkness on the leaves doesn't appear till after everything's over blooming. Right, that's probably because the humidity's going up and everything else. But just go online and look at peony fungus, and uh, okay. you'll you'll find out there's several different kinds of leaf spots and fungus that do get on the peonies. Thanks a lot, Mike. Yep. And now let's go to Tony, and Tony lives in Manchester. Hi, Tony. Well, thanks, Mike, for taking my call. I uh, lived out in Manchester for 30-plus years, and in my my, uh, front yard, I've got two large pin oaks, which are sidewalk trees. They're on the other side of the sidewalk. It's about a three-foot strip, and I guess they're about, uh, oh, maybe 20 feet, 30 feet apart, and they're very large, but I do trim them and everything else. I'm really having a problem growing grass in that in that in that in that area. I've gotten some right. uh, 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 shade type of grass seed. Now it did come up. Uh, I planted it this uh, this uh, just now, and it's come up fine. But is it something other that it is? Are those trees just zapping the, the soil where eventually that grass yes. is going to die? Also, yeah. Basically, what are the, you know these trees. Uh, they have huge root systems, so however much you know, the tree is above the ground, there's an equal biomass below the ground. 
So mm-hmm. the feeder roots are up near the surface. The roots that go deeper are anchoring roots. So the feeder roots is what the, you know, the grass plants are competing with, and lawn, regardless of shady spot mix or anything else, does not compete well with tree roots. So what you're experiencing is exactly what you should experience, and there's no getting around it. That's why people in those kind of circumstances many times use traditional-type ground covers because the ground covers, for some reason, are able to handle, the, the say, the growing situation much easier than lawn. Lawn is kind of a, a weak member. Unless it's out in the open, uh, it's, you know, it's just going to have a real struggle, and especially if it's competing not only with just the shade factor, there's a shade factor on the side of a building where there's no tree roots, you've got a better chance to get your shade, you know, grass seed going there. But, uh, you know, when you're competing with tree roots, it's just it's a losing circumstance. So you're talking about some, just some type of ground cover, what, like an ivy or something else? or Right. Oh, ivy, oh. you know, periwinkle, something along that line. There's the, uh, let's say, monkey grass, lily turf, those type things, a spreading type as liripe. Uh, spicata. So that's what you're really looking at. It's going to have a much better chance than any of the lawn. And even that's going to struggle because these are big trees and the root right. systems, they they got to support all the above ground growth so to yeah. keep them healthy. i tell you something, Mike. They weren't big when I planted them, but boy, did they grow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I and they still got to probably, that. yeah, they probably still got a long way to go. Yeah, okay. Because well, they get to be pretty huge trees. Yeah, All I'll, right, uh, great. I'll, I'll have to look at some ground cover. Thanks again for your time. Sure. Okay. Now let's go to from Manchester into Webster Groves and see what's going on in Karen's yard. Hi, Karen. Hi there, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. I need sure. color in my landscape. Can you tell me about the crepe myrtle? I've heard much about it. Um, my three questions are, is it a tree or considered a bush? Um, where do you place it in the landscape for it to shine? And when do you prune it or trim it to keep it flowering? Basically, you're not going to keep it flowering by pruning. So the crepe myrtle, there is a tree type, but the tree type does not, it's not hardy for this region. So you're going to get the shrub type. It flowers in the summertime, so basically you can prune it all the way up until... Uh, after it finishes flowering, going into wintertime and everything else, you can prune it at that time. Some years, if we have a severe winter, it can be killed all the way to the ground, but will come back from the root system. You do not necessarily have to prune until the new growth begins coming in the springtime. Then any twigs or ends of branches that doesn't have any growth on it, you just prune those off. So the pruning is not essential to do, but while the, you know, while it's flowering in the summertime, doing additional pruning is not going to make it flower more. So in essence, it's not like a rose that you prune off the spent roses, and then consequently you get another flush of flowers. The crepe myrtle is going to have all the flowers, buds set, and then it's going to you know, bloom, and that's going to be pretty much it. But they're extended bloomers. There's no getting around it. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing, though, because I'd like the color for an extended period right. of time. Right. And um, are, do you like those? I mean, are they hardy? Oh, they're very tough, but again, tough from the standpoint the root system can survive pretty much any kind of winter-type circumstance. First two years of anything that's installed is a little bit iffy, but after that, once it's you know been in the ground, it, like I said, everything above the ground, if we have severely cold winters, could get killed. But the root system should be strong enough. You know, if the plant was healthy, to push out some new growth. There are smaller varieties that are considered miniatures, and there are some bigger varieties which get to five to six plus feet. Okay. And, Mike, one more question. Do they come in different colors? 
Yes. Okay. Basically from kind of a white to almost a, like a dark pink. It's, you might call it a red, but it just depends upon your sort of your color vision. Very good. Well, thank you. That's been a big help. Great, and they do want to be in full sun. Full sun is, you know, better for them. They will survive in a shaded circumstance or part shade, but they don't flower nearly as much. So thank you. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got about 10 more minutes. We're here live and lively at the St. Louis Composting location in Valley Park. So let's go to Karen, and Karen lives in St. Louis. Hi, Karen. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have a a few questions, well, two or three. Um, First of all, um, we have weeds, like everybody, Um, and there's... I'm getting a lot in my landscape. However, um, right now I planted some things and I just haven't put any kind of barriers or mulch or rock or anything yet, but it's infiltrated with um, weeds, so I'm kind of out there while the ground is wet and pulling weeds and so forth. But my my question is, what do you recommend for like a, some kind of a protection for the landscaped area, the, the bordered area, um, that could help with the weeds? Uh, depending upon what type of weeds there are, some of the weeds you're going to have to use like a post-emergent herbicide. So in other words, one that kills actively growing plants. Uh, I would you know, say pull some of them up, go to your favorite garden center and find out exactly what you have. Because some of them may be and maybe the majority of them could be controlled with a pre-emergent. So another pre-emergent is something you put down before the seeds germinate, and then as the seeds germinate, it kills. So there's post-emergent and there's pre-emergent control, depending upon what type of weeds you have. Okay. And then what do you recommend for, like, finishing off the landscape with um, whether do – do you put, like, a weed barrier and what type, or do you recommend mulch and what type? I don't think I want It's rock. really a pr- – yeah, that's personal choice more so than anything. But like the landscape fabrics, they're effective as far as preventing things from that are already there, basically either the seeds or the root systems of perennial-type weeds from being able to grow up through it. But it does not prevent weed seeds from blowing in and then landing onto the mulch or anything else and then rooting down through it. So that's the weed berry, you know, that's the landscape fabric. It is, you know, it, it's more... Let's say psychologically effective than it is totally effective because I have I have rock mulch around our house just as a more or less a walkway mimics the house. I put a steel edger on it. So it's like three to four feet wide. But what I do is because I like sweet alyssum, I just take sweet alyssum seeds and sprinkle it on the rock. And then the seed germinates and just, you know, works it works its way down through the landscape fabric. And that's what would happen with weed seeds as well. And it does happen with that. So. Just whatever you put down, just understand that it's not going to control any kind of weed, any type of circumstance, totally and completely. Okay. And then what kind of mulch do you recommend? I, I, I don't, I'm, a, I'm always nervous about putting like a, a hardwood with like termites or something like that when it's in a bigger area, like it's around the front of the house and a lot of the back of the house, there's a hill and... Well, termites only eat wood, so if the wood is, you know, if the wood products or the wood pieces are relatively small, then you should have nothing to worry about. But what you can do is just get a bark mulch. You can get leaf mold mulch and just use that, so you don't have to get, I mean, there's plenty of different kinds. Just go online and check out St. Louis Compost, and they have all kinds of different mulches, and not all of them are going to be attractive to uh, termites. Okay. 
Okay. And then another question I have is um, our our um, backyard has a patio and a walkout um, basement. And then there's a grade from about two-thirds of the yard down to the last third of the yard down to the walkout area. So it's like a, a hill. And we currently have like... Um, two ash trees that have been here probably for 40-plus years. Um, and ones we're trying to anticipate, they're not looking real good, um, right. beginning to consider removing one at a time. And the one on the hill, the, the graded area that shades our patio beautifully, we love it. Um, and then it's right like in between the patio and the, and the walkout basement on that hill area, and it's, that's sort of land, landscaped. But we're, we're talking about putting um, a redbud tree, but not in the same place, but out a little bit more into the yard. But, again, right. that's still a, a graded area, like a hill. Is that <clears throat> So is, will that work okay on, a, like, planting a tree? Because this is not, this is not again, when we plant this, this is going to be more of a mowed grassy area as opposed to landscape area where I don't have to get, it's, right. Well, the redbud red tree red should be fine, you know. In this, uh, the redbud tree should be fine in this situation. So, thanks, Karen. Let's go now to Ken in Caseyville. Hi, Ken. Yeah, uh, Mike. I've got a question about. I've got a uh, in front of my house. I've got lava rock around some bushes, and that lava mm-hmm. rock is getting uh, a lot of moss growing on it. How can I get rid of that moss? Basically, go to your favorite garden center. Tell them you have moss growing in your rock mulch, and whatever product they you know they happen to carry, which for controlling that, you could certainly just go after it with that. Uh, I would not, uh, you know, some people will say just use bleach or use this. That may damage the plant material that you have there. So I would go to your favorite garden center and say you have, you know, moss growing in your rock, and see what specific product they have to control the moss in that situation. Would any of the big box stores have that stuff? Uh, they should, you know, but uh, the staff members there, I don't know if they're going to be able to help you. Just, uh, you could go there, just go where the, all the fungicides are, and just, there's a product called DMOS. There's a couple different kinds of products, but I don't know who carries what. That's why I can't give you a very specific name. That's why I always recommend going someplace that's going to have staff that can help you. Yeah, now, when that kills that off, does it go away, or is, that, is the dried stuff still there? No, the dried stuff's still there, so it doesn't, like, evaporate it. It doesn't melt it by any means. Okay, but the dried right. stuff will finally, you know, it'll break down on its own and disappear. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Yep, and now let's go to Alton, and that's where Joel lives. Hi, Joel. Good morning, Mike. I uh, appreciate you taking Hi. my call. I wanted to sure. mention a couple of uh, rose printing seminars in the area today. Okay, uh, go ahead. You're going to have to do it kind of quick. Uh, Okay, real quick, uh, Three Rivers Rose Society is going to host a printing seminar today and tomorrow from 1 to 3 at the Nan Elliott Memorial Rose Garden in Gordon Moore F, or Gordon F. Moore Community Park, Alton, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And also St. Louis Rose Society is having a printing seminar at the Florissant Civic Center Rose Garden, uh, and I think that's right. at 10 o'clock today. Right. I mentioned that one last week because Randy Hoffman, a, a guy that worked with me at the Botanical Garden, he was going to do the pruning demonstration on the roses. So I'd actually given that uh, that situation uh, up in Florissant the tip of the trial. So thanks a lot, though. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Ray in Highland, Illinois, can you do it quick? Yes, I grew uh, rhubarb this year for the first time. When should I harvest that? Uh, should I put a little cow manure on them? 
Uh, cow manure, you can work it in the soil as long as it's composted, it's been cooked down. Uh, basically, don't do any harvesting at all for the first couple of years. Leave the, as many leaves on there as it can grow. Once it's going to put up a flower stalk or a you know, flower stalk slash seed stalk, cut that thing off as soon as you see it. It won't look like a leaf, you know, and just get rid of that because that saps some of the energy from the, uh, from the uh, rhubarb. Okay, thank you. Yep, and so no harvesting for a couple of years. Just leave it alone. And uh, George in South County, you're going to have to do it very, very quick. First of all, I just got to tell you, I use St. Louis compost all the time. Uh, an entrepreneur owes it to himself to go out there. Those guys are amazing. Uh, Absolutely. Bonite. Bonite. Uh, is it all, can you get it online? Yeah, I would think so. So just go to bonai.com and just ch- you know check it, and uh, I would think you could order directly from them. I don't, okay. I can't say for sure that's the case, but I think that's what the situation is. Okay, and then uh, two real quick ones. I have some cantaloupe seed that I saved uh, to plant this year. Am I too late planting it already? You're probably getting a little bit late, but you could certainly use that and see okay. what happens. All right, and then the last thing. Uh, I uh, get Missouri Conservation, and I read about their butterfly gardens. I was going to order some seed and plant it. Uh, do you have any particular things you suggest for that? Milkweed. Go with the milkweed. That seems to be the one that's by far the most popular. So, sorry, folks. Thanks, to everybody, for calling in. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hot and Live and Lively at St. Louis Composting. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.